Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host today is myself, Brian Fox and Carol Tallon. We have an exciting lineup today. First, we talk to Marion Cashman, an architect and on the committee of the Dublin Democratic Planning Alliance, about bringing the community into planning decisions. And in part two, we hear from Damien Kilgannon, real estate director with Fine Grain Property, talking about tenant engagement. The strategic housing development process has been in the news lately due to the number of developments under the consideration of onboard Pranola. The Dublin Democratic Planning Alliance would like to see changes in the process. On the line is Marion Cashman, an architect and on the committee of the alliance. So Marion, thanks for joining us on the line. What changes would you like to see in the um, SHD process? Well, in fact, the SHD process was brought in a number of years ago to fast-track planning and it went directly to onboard Panola. In other words, it didn't go through the normal process of going to Dublin City Council. And, you know, it's understandable the government is concerned about housing. Everybody is. But this particular legislation really removed the democratic voice from the process. Um, and uh, it has now, it's being terminated really this month. So, in fact, one of the more um, egregious elements are what we call specific planning policy requirements. These were brought in to, um, by various ministers, first of all, by Alan Kelly, um, and it removed um, guidelines that the government had for planning and made them mandatory. So um, they they cover areas like the build-to-rent development, which is now um, the most popular one for developers and is all over the city. Um, the specific planning policy requirements um, reduced the standards of apartments, made them smaller. Um, previously, apartments would have to have dual aspect, in other words, windows facing two different directions. That was removed as well. So a lot of the standards were reduced to facilitate developers. Then further to that, um, Owen Murphy and Simon Coveney brought in, uh, removed the height guidelines which were set in the development plan. So essentially, it's kind of open season for developers, um, which is why you have such out-of-scale um, developments being proposed in areas um, where one normally wouldn't expect to see them. At the moment, I think there are over 70 sites which in across all of Dublin um, which have a uh, built-to-rent situation. And this is not providing affordable housing. And previous to all of this, going back before the 2008 crash, um, the government, you know, should actually be developing on land that they own and that you can achieve a high density with low rise buildings because you don't need to provide so much infrastructure like lifts and so on and so forth. Um, but the government seems to be going the wrong way. They're also increasing I don't know if you're aware that every development that's built, 10% of the units are purchased by the local authority. And in these high-rise developments, you have one-bedroom units costing over 500000 each. So this, the taxpayer is, is paying for this, and the minister, in an effort to you know, provide more social housing, has increased this to 20%. 
But effectively, um, this is not, you know, the best use of this money, given that the government and the state has a lot of land anyway, which the Land Development Agency is now beginning to look at. So we seem to be going, you know, building inappropriate developments that are very expensive and not affordable. And the Dublin Democratic Planning Alliance really is trying to lobby uh, and speak to government to change this system back to um, going through providing affordable housing for people. Look, to look through local um, yep. But it, it is in the program of government, isn't it? To, expi- to There is an expiration date on this um, strategic housing development. So I think we, we, uh, it's going out this month, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Th- there were a huge number of applications, as you can imagine, over Christmas, yeah. all over, over the city. Um, so, but, but it is going out. But really, it's specific planning policy requirements or SPPRs. Frank MacDonald wrote a very good opinion piece on it recently in the Irish Times and Olivia Kelly wrote a very good article about the built to rent sector also in the Irish Times last on February the 1st. So those topics. Well, what changes do, would you like to see? Well, I mean, is it? I mean, it is legislation now that this is to expire, isn't it? And and there, is, but there's no um, instrument as such to uh, to change the uh, the uh, housing, um, the strategic housing development, as far as I'm aware at the moment, is there? There is a, a new development called large scale um, residential development, but it is actually going um, back to the. Uh, Local, the local planning authority, yeah, yeah. Yes, but it's really the SPPRs, um, which are, are the bugbear at the moment. Well, that, In other words, the build to rent with low standards, um, the the height, you know, removing yeah. height guidelines and so on, all of that, and building very expensive property. That's, that's but they're there. still in the housing for all, aren't they? A document from they the, are. They're all still there. The SPPRs, yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and you want to see those taken off? Do you want to see yes. those? Yeah. Yes. Um, is it likely that government will do that? Is it likely that the present government will do that? Um, I don't think they can see the damage to the existing environment. You know, when you have hugely out of scale developments taking place, especially in the city centre, um, or in, in fact in many localities, um, these developments are done on a site by site basis. In other words, nobody is looking at do we need sports facilities? Do we need more parks? Do we need more schools? And so it's not, there's no there's no sense of community included in that. Is that, is that absolutely uh, not? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why there are so many judicial reviews, because um, people in localities actually know an awful lot about where they live mm-hmm. in terms of history and what's appropriate and so on and so forth. We all want housing. Um, you know, we really want everybody to have a home. But it's, uh, the government, current government seem to be just looking at it in a political way. How many numbers of units can they say they've got to by the next election, rather than looking to the long term, what sort of homes are we, are we building for people? And, and you, so you, you are objecting to the build-to-rent build schemes? Is that, is it? Um, build-to-rent may be appropriate in certain instances, yeah. but every time the government lets loose on one of these things, a bit like co-living, all the developers went to co-living until that was stopped. Because naturally, if you're building a unit for someone to live in that's the size of a disabled parking bay, you're making much more profit from that piece of land. And the same with the build to rent. They've reduced the standards and sizes of the apartments 
so naturally all the development developers are going that way. Mm. We we need to take a much broader um, holistic approach to it, especially given climate change, um, you know, which we're facing into as well, and which is not really being considered properly. Building high-rise buildings um, is very not only very expensive, but um, all this new construction is uh, anti-climate change. We should be looking at refurbishing existing vacant buildings, of which there are very, very many, not only in Dublin, but all in every town in Ireland. And in terms of high-rise, I mean, is there an attitude? Is, is there is there an attitude in, in this country against high-rise in comparison to uh, other European cities where high-rise is, you know, obviously with the, with green belts for for. Um, Purchases and tenants of of those that are living in the uh, in those apartment high rises, but they're they're um, they, they are quite prevalent over there. Well, high high rise um, is appropriate, like in the Docklands, where there was a what's called a strategic development zone. So the whole zone was master planned and looked at sort of um, as as an, an area. But high rise is inappropriate next to a one story cottage or yeah. you know two story protected structures. And there's great confusion about density. Um, areas like Portobello in Dublin are stony batter, um, where you have little single houses um, facing onto the street. They are actually a very high density. And there isn't enough specific guidance in what density are we trying to achieve. At the moment, there are some developments where, um, you know, uh, the city planner, Mr. O'Hara, spoke to Pat Kenny several months ago and said, we need to move, the suburbs are 30 units per hectare, so we need to move to 60 to 100. Now, that's perfectly acceptable. In fact, most of Dublin, the density, you know, in the city centre is much higher than that. And now there are some developments at 300 units per hectare and even 600 units per hectare, which is higher than Manhattan. So you can't build all of this without looking at the particular the, the particular areas. area and yeah, whether yeah. you know. And yeah. we, you don't go to Florence um, to see high-rise buildings. You go to Florence to see a city which has a coherence. Yeah. And the high buildings are usually public buildings like churches or something like that. Every developer is now claiming his high-rise is, you know, a masterpiece and therefore should be allowed. <laughs> Sorry, that's up to the public to judge, really, you know, and areas need to be planned fully. Yeah, and, and zones, so I, what you're really saying is that local authorities should have zoning areas for these type of developments, the high-rise high type of developments. Yes. yes, they should be located, like, in the city centre near public infrastructure or whatever, not in, in the suburbs, maybe, where there aren't... And that is the problem at the moment. ...buses or whatever, and that's the problem at the moment. Um, and do you think, well, I think we've gone to, will, will, will the government listen to um, the arguments being put forward against the type of planning well, we there is? We can only try, and the reason we set up the um, Dublin Democratic Planning Alliance was to try and give residents a voice. We have 64 residents associations and many more individuals who um, are part of, of the DDPA and we are trying to work towards a better outcome for everybody. Very good. I'm out of time, Mary, but we'll come back to this. Um, it's very interesting. Um, you've raised very interesting points that I, I'd imagine a lot of listeners aren't too aware of, particularly in relation to um, high-rises and, and the sort of arbitrary um, 
lack of definition as to where they where they should be put, etc. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas we're used to it in Manhattan and and, and, and uh, urban urban settings. But for now, Marion Cashman, an architect and on the committee of um, the Dublin Democratic Planning Alliance. Thank you so much. Next up, Carol Tallon talking to Damien Kilgannon, real estate director with Fine Grain Property, talking about tenant engagement. Ninety three point nine, Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So I'm delighted to be joined now by Damien Kilgannon, Real Estate Director at Fine Grain Property. Um, Damien, you're very welcome to the show today. Thank you, Carol, and, and thank you for, for inviting me on. Well, it was a really interesting time to be talking to you because I know Fine Grain has actually recently commissioned some more research um, so you might just take us through some of the findings. And I know that the, these findings are yet to be released. So thank you so much for, for talking to us about them. And um, it's an interesting survey on a very on a very interesting topic that, that's relevant at the moment, but probably on a topic that's still evolving. You might just talk us through the research. Thank you, Carl. Um, yes, um, it, it is um, it, it, in terms of of um, outputs from the survey. We're certainly getting good insights into into why um, companies are making decisions and what's driving those decisions. What I might do is is just uh, go from the top. I have um, I, I suppose and, and give an overview of what fine grain property is. And, and um, um, so we, 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 fine grain property um, um, was a is a fifteen year old company which started in um, Singapore. Um, and investing in sort of overlooked and, and undermanaged properties. Uh, came back to Ireland uh, with an Irish CEO in 2015, founded by, by, by an Irish CEO, um, to meet the needs uh, essentially of growing FDI and EI companies um, and to partner with the agencies of the state and Enterprise Ireland and uh, local enterprise offices and IDA. Uh, we own and manage properties in business campuses uh, across uh, multiple regions at Lone, Cork, Dublin, Galway, Limerick, uh, Maynooth and Shannon. Um, and, and essentially our aim is to provide uh, attractive workplace solutions, fully Irish owned uh, international real estate investor. Um, and our business park portfolio is made up of approximately 90% foreign direct investment clients. Total investment to date is 220 million. The number of properties is, is 14. Um, but ultimately, our aim is to provide you know, phenomenal workplace communities, building partnerships with clients, removing the hassle from property, and I suppose a focus on a client experience. So we've, we've now undertaken um, two surveys. Um, and the first survey was in, in 2019, following our investment period in our, um, in our phase one investment and phase two investment. Um, and what the, the the focus in 2019 was on the future of work, and, and little did we know we would be entering a a, a fast tracked uh, two year long remote working experiment shortly short, shortly thereafter. Um, what the survey is telling us is that there is a future for the office. So while many um, spoke about the the office is dead. Um, what we're seeing and the activities, uh, what we're seeing from the survey, but also what we're seeing from our engagements with clients is, is frankly that, um, you know, the the office um, has a, a the office has a future in the workplace, um, and that um, from a, from a from a statistics perspective, it's good to remember that forty to seventy percent of of tech staff, you know, already worked 
remotely uh, pre pandemic. Um, as a society, we have been um, we've been forced to accept, uh, I suppose, the advancement of digital communications. Indeed, I'm talking to you today uh, from behind a computer screen, where typically we might be in we might be in a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also fair to say that the evolution of the office had started pre pandemic. Uh, the traditional uh, desk and computer approach to uh, offices um, had changed. What the 2019 research told us in terms of of, um, feedback was that workplace community was important. It probably focused more on the workplace community inside a building, inside uh, in terms of collaboration spaces um, and that, you know, there needed to be collision spaces within a building. What's coming out of this, um, what's coming out of this survey is that after two years of, of lockdowns, um, social distancing, homeworking, um, almost 80% of office workers in Ireland say that they want to work at least some time per week from an office. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, that's really compelling in terms of um, where we were 18 months ago, where we'll never return to the office and the office is, is, is dead. Um, it's a, it's it's a very good way to show context as well. Having the twenty nineteen research, um, because I think uh, there's sometimes it tends to be forgotten that actually the future of work was a conversation that started long before COVID. And you know, I I think it's really interesting. Back then, we were um, really focusing on. Uh, you know, where we were living and how we were working. Whereas I think now that conversation has changed to how we're living and maybe where we're working. And like, is it fair to say that that opinions continue to change? So we still don't know where this is going to land. You know, I, I just heard David McWilliams talking about maybe some of the economic fallout. And, you know, he was at pains to remind us, OK, we're still within a month of the government saying, you know, the worst is over. And that's a very short period of time, but it's also quite a temporary state. We don't know if that's likely to be the case. Um, in terms of changing attitudes, are, are you providing for the fact that they're, they're likely to continue to evolve? Absolutely. And I think our, our approach in terms of undertaking a survey in 2019, undertaking a survey again in 2021, and we see this as, a, as, a, as a, a, an evolution rather than a revolution um, in, in terms of our approach and in terms of employers and employees' approach and attitudes to the workplace. Um, what's, what's, um, what's really coming out of, of this, this survey is that office management an office environment is increasingly becoming a hybrid with hospitality um, in that, you know, uh, workers w- want an awful lot more um, from their workspaces, um, which will attract them to come into uh, the office. And, and that was that's that's that feedback was consistent across both the the employer uh, feedback and the employee feedback um, and, and was and was very, very strong. Um, in in terms of um, how we have set ourselves up, and maybe just to to so building workplace communities was sort of always um, the ambition of fine grain property. Um, it had worked very closely in in um, in Asia with um, with the with the idea of of that particular region. 
um, and workplace communities never existed or, 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 or always existed in clusters. Um, so it was bringing teams, clients, partners, stakeholders together um, in, in larger communities to, uh, with the ambition of, of learning, growing and collaborating um, together and, and with the ambition that when, when clients succeed, uh, fine grain property succeeds. Um, so the workplace community um, study is going to be ongoing for, for many years to come, and that evolution um, will continue. What we aim to do um, in, in, in our portfolio is, is we, we will essentially try and blend that real estate offering um, with hospitality and ensure that we provide solutions for Enterprise Ireland, IDA, uh, and, and private businesses, local enterprise offices that enable companies to grow from five to 50 to 500. Um, where we, we, we do that through sort of four pillars, um, fine grain uh, facilities, fine grain friends, fine grain futures, um, and all implemented through the fine grain way or our sort of governance and quality framework. And genuinely what we're trying to do is bring that four to five star hotel experience um, to our properties um, where we can cluster them in communities of you know, to, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people in a particular location where you can offer um, that 5 to 50 to 500 offering all on one site, all accessible, um, and, and where, um, where companies don't feel that they're signing a, a five-year, a 10-year, a 15-year commitment, um, and they may not have the flexibility to grow or indeed the flexibility to contract in the future. And that's something we've got back. Yeah. The feedback since the since the pandemic um, very, very clearly. You know, I, I think it's interesting when you describe it as hybrid with hospitality, because that has a ring to to it of, um, you know, the space as a service uh, and that term that was coined by Anthony Slumbers in the UK. And I mean, it really described a whole movement, whether it's uh, retail going towards the experiential, whether it's um, built to rent and the amenities there and now, obviously, the, the community, the sense of community around um, workplaces, because actually tenant engagement is something we're so excited about. We can see it happening across lots of different spheres, whether it's on the workplace or on the bill to rent um, or across social housing. I see um, Tua Housing recently launched their tenant engagement around social housing, which is fantastic to see. The bill to rent community, I think, coming into Ireland, I mean, it is their key differentiator how they're using community to add value and the community amenities. So it's amazing to see this happening in a workplace, um, in a workplace setting. But just so we can kind of break it down um, without being vague, let's talk about what community means in the workplace, because, you know, relationship management means a whole manner of things. But I mean, are you getting down to the level of, you know, introducing common activities, fitness, LGBT, uh, or LGBTQ networks, you know, what are the different things you're doing kind of to encompass uh, and to really leverage the community that's there and bring them together? So, so in terms of, um, I might actually, I might actually start at where we, where we see our role. So the fine brain approach, um, it, it starts at a flywheel where essentially we sort of see it as that struggle to get a big piece of engineering moving. So we start with the, the pillar of, of building success for clients by creating great workplace communities. Then it's excellent client service with effective follow-up 
delivering stable, consistent investment returns, and then in enabling you know reliable investment returns enable uh, with true true effective communication enable uh, our investors to repeat the investment and again continue to build investment. So we start to do that through buying well, managing well, and selling well. Um, so buying well is about buying in the right places, buying from the right people, buying the right assets and understanding the, the occupier's needs right through the process, whether that's land development or whether that's building uh, building acquisition. From a managing well, so you have to create the uh, environment in which companies can succeed. So, um, you know, you asked, what does that look like? Well, it's it's in terms of, of delivering space where people can collaborate. It starts from the landscaping. It starts from the signage. It starts from the walking routes that exist. It starts from the collaborations that exist with food and beverage offering in the area or the food and beverage offering on the site. It's given people collision spaces. Um, our clients have demanded the, the quality um, of space that enables them to meet and effectively live in their community, both inside and outside the building from a friend's perspective, so that's from a facilities perspective, collaboration initiatives like uh, barbecue events, uh, welcome receptions, um, where we where we collaborate with partners in the community, whether that be educators um, from second level or third level, uh, student competitions, exhibitions, um, I suppose experiences that foster innovation in that we will always have in a development of, of 150,000 square foot or more, we will also have innovation space where companies can come in and use that space um, and, and begin to, to, to become part of the community uh, where they can grow from five to 50 to 500. And then well, actually, in futures. Um, yeah. Apology, I don't want to yeah. cut, cut across you there, but it just, I, I'm, I'm trying to marry this with, you know, at the start of the interview, you were saying how part of the, the value add here was to look at assets that were maybe overlooked and undervalued. Is that still the ethos that's carrying on? So are you creating communities maybe in areas that were perhaps overlooked and undervalued? We absolutely so so yes. And 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 in in terms of ownership, um we we won't acquire assets in locations where we can't uh, achieve a cluster. So we will we will acquire in locations where we can achieve um, where we can achieve a, a cluster of buildings, um, where we can um, where we can generate that sort of um, that that cluster effect, where in in terms of locations of scale, they have infrastructure in terms of 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 access infrastructure, whether that be uh, bus or train, Lewis or other, um, where it has the services, where it has the education infrastructure. Um, and where there is connectivity from it for, for, for international clients. So it's typically... And, and you're, you're actually introducing the innovation space. So essentially what isn't there, you're going to be able to step in and perhaps offer or facilitate. Precisely. And, and so um, um, enabling the, the IDA um, or Enterprise Ireland um, to have a partner in regional locations, um, be that uh, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Waterford, um, uh, Athlone, um, Sligo, Wexford, or other locations where we don't currently exist, uh, where we don't, we haven't currently invested, um, to, uh, I suppose, to work with the partners um, effectively, to 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 work collaboratively, um, and ensure that these quality business park environments are um, are available. Um, for, for to, to to win further investment. 
And would Shannon be an example of this kind of clustering effect where we're seeing that actually business thriving in one sector uh, can actually generate a little cluster of innovation around it? And, and when I say little cluster, actually, that sounds quite demeaning. Some of these are really substantial startup and scaling companies that are innovating on a global scale, uh, particularly across the, innov- or the aviation sector, I'm thinking. You know, is, is that the kind of cluster that you're talking about where it essentially feeds off itself as well to get the community thriving? That's that's precisely it, and and I think if we if we look at at Shannon and 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 West Park in Shannon, where um we acquired um we acquired the business park in in twenty nineteen, um you know we're continuing that implementation of the fine grained friends facilities and futures, uh, in terms of of common food and beverage areas, um in in terms of the experiences and some of the feedback that has come back from clients in terms of their ability to do business, their ability to grow, their ability to, um, we we all heard and I think just looking at at um at the sector and the the growing nature there's been in some um especially in the um especially in the aviation area um we heard lots about negative headwinds um uh, in terms of of you know the, the demise of of um the demise of international travel uh, as a result of there was plenty of headwinds um however um we 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 now see um we now see you know, Ireland remaining the fastest um, growing economy in Europe. Um, we're operating in full employment. Um, we're now the only English-speaking um, territory in in the in the European Union. Um, from a you know from a business-friendly um, perspective, we're we're identified as one of the most business-friendly locations in Europe. Stable corporate tax location again. It just just what what's really what's really. Um, what we would have maybe spent a bit of time in 2021 um, or early in the pandemic as a business reflecting on, you know, a location where it is heavily dependent on aviation and international travel. And actually, um, Ireland has positioned itself extremely well um, to to recover. Um, and we, we, we remain in a position where, you know, there's been fairly significant lease events um, in, in that particular business location. Um, and our clients have uh, recommitted to the location, recommitted to growing their business in the location uh, and recommitted to, I suppose, what fine grain property is trying to achieve in terms of creating uh, great workplace communities. OK, and David, I, I hope this isn't an unfair question to ask, but I, I know that your your career to date and your background will certainly um, means you're well placed to answer this. But in terms of recent uh, tax changes and I mean is Ireland still considered outside of Ireland to be as business friendly as we position it um it, it's certainly not uh certainly not an unfair question Carl um I think in terms of um in terms of of where um where IDA um, and where Enterprise Ireland have um, what they've experienced over the last 24 months. We've seen um, in 2020 significant decline in FDI flows internationally. Um, and um, we, again, with a, lot of, with a lot of negative talk at that point in time, job investments for 2021 um, by both IDA and Enterprise Ireland were, uh, were announced record years 
Um, we've seen Eli Lilly uh, only in the last um, in the last week announce for a 400 million euro investment for Limerick. We've seen that's on the back of you know major announcements over the last 24 months in terms of Intel, um, Edwards Life Sciences in Limerick, um, HP Enterprises in Kildare, and there's 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 plenty more. The global the global tax deal will enable Ireland um, to retain its reputation as a stable tax location. Um, the recent flow of announcements um, to Enterprise Ireland and IDA um, ju- just demonstrate that they're not impacting um, Ireland's ability to win. We're still seen as the young, we're, we're recognised as uh, a growing, young and dynamic population of well-trained um, uh, of well-trained professionals. You know, our focus, and this has really been driven by the Department of Enterprise, Business and Innovation, our innovation focus, that R&D-led approach to whether that's pharma or medical technology or aviation or green energy, that focus has is is really, um, it is the, the, the rock on which uh, Ireland continues to grow. Um, I think there's a third wave of Brexit opportunities that will um, that that will start to feed through now uh, as the world reopens. Uh, so I think uh, from a from a tax perspective and from a competitiveness perspective, um, um, Ireland is is really well positioned. Um, uh, is really well positioned for growth, um, and 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 hopefully we continue to see that. And and that's really in terms of of our press release. Um, or our our um, our survey and our imminent press release in terms of of uh, the importance of of business park communities um, and the and the importance of the office um, uh, to the future of work. What we're trying to do is understand um, what companies and what our clients um, want, um, and so that we can adjust our business offering to ensure. That we meet the needs of of our of our clients, and um, we continue to exceed those needs, and that you know all all sectors of the working population, uh, the very young, uh, and the, and there may be people close to retirement, feel welcome um, in the work environment, and and feel and 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 feel like it's somewhere they wish to go, um, and continue to want to go because that's where. Uh, it's proven um, that that's where the innovation happens, um, and and it's by bringing, you know, talent from so many different sectors, um, and you know, uh, it, it, companies of all makes, shapes, and sizes together, and that's where that's where the magic happens, and and continues to enable Ireland's growth. Yeah, you know, I, I love when you describe it as that's where the magic happens, because actually that's exactly what community is, and it doesn't matter what the context of it is. That's exactly what community is. It's bringing people together. So you get that little bit of magic there. Um, by the way, really, it, it occurs to me that we haven't actually broken down the survey there. So um, just I, I suppose the key findings, is it accurate to say that the key takeaway from the survey, the most recent survey, um, that is um, workers actually want to return to the office for this sense of community, but also, you know, beyond community. I mean, you're talking about the the um, collaboration that leads to innovation that makes life uh, and work more interesting for everybody. But the figures are quite stark. Uh, 78% of office workers in Ireland say they want to return to a dedicated workspace, uh, at least some of the time. Yeah, and and, and and one other one that stood out for me was that that 90% of employees, you know, were attracted back because of the social aspect. You know, getting out of the house was important to to seventy eight percent. You know, they were just just statistics that that um, I wouldn't have expected. Um, 
they're they're um you know and 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 that's probably stronger in the younger population of the workforce and um, I, I you know what uh, as the mother of a 22 year old um who's at the early stage of her career that doesn't surprise me at all it's a really artificial it, you know it, it's a very bizarre situation to start working for a company and have never met any of your colleagues in real life you know so all of the social interaction that happens online it's better than nothing it's definitely not as good as as the real thing and that's just the reality and in fact I heard um uh, a HR expert speaking on news talk earlier this week and you know she really she referred to something that I haven't heard about in a while the sitting by Nelly approach it's how we learn the things that aren't contained in standard operation procedures so where you pick up on the tone um, and and things that happen within an office and that was always that sitting by Nelly approach um, and it, it, it's not the most contemporary expression to use but actually it very accurately describes how most of us would have learned the nuances of how well, we do our job. Well I'm going to keep that uh, sitting by Nelly term because it's certainly something that I refer to on many occasions is that the you know I I got to where I am in my career by sitting beside and working alongside and sitting in meetings with brilliant people um, who conducted themselves really professionally and their approach. And you really got the magic in that five minutes before the meeting or that five minutes after the meeting um, where where, you know, technology has enabled us to continue to to grow and develop over the last 24 months. But there's certainly um, there, there, the, the, that that. Um, the magic that happens uh, when we're together uh, yeah. cannot be replicated in a virtual environment. Um, I, I suppose one of the, the important things to point out, again, kind of based on the findings of the survey, only 27% want to be entirely office-based. So we're definitely looking at a future that is neither home-based nor wholly office-based. You know, we're definitely, you know, the term hybrid has kind of lost all meaning now. But I think... There's an opportunity here to really reframe what is the next option. And I don't think it's necessarily the workplace. It's clearly around team. So are we looking at a more distributed workplace? You know, we see co-working hubs popping up up and down the country. Is that likely to be the workplace of the future for many? I, I think for for some companies, um, certainly, um, and uh, I think for for that um, that five to fifty cohort, uh, so many of those will find themselves in uh, in in innovation space, whether that's aligned to um, you know a larger business park or that's in a in a city centre in a cluster, uh, where they can continue to grow and develop, and then. Uh, when they get to a point where they want to take long-term office space, um, that might maybe a, a step they wish to make. It's it's it, it, it's it's it really is evolving. Um, the the twenty seven percent who only wish to work from home, um, I, I, you know, it's a sector of the population that will continue to. And I and I think there are people where, um, that's something they've always maybe um they, they they've always had an interest in in working remotely, um and. It, we need to cater, you know, from a from a from a, a business development perspective, uh, we need to provide for for everyone in the workplace. It means our workplaces need to be better. It needs means they need to be designed better. It means they need to be more flexible in terms of of a, 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 an investor's approach um, to providing office space. Where we have undertaken the research that we have in order to continue to evolve and develop and grow 
our offering um, to meet all of our clients' needs. And they, it is so different across uh, so many different uh, business sectors. And um, we have we have companies currently growing within our portfolio. And and um, of of the of the the feedback through the survey, you know, fifty percent of our companies um, uh, project growth over the next five years. Um, so there's quite a bit of um, there's quite a bit of positivity coming back through the survey. It's enabling that growth, and it's there's room um, there's room for all I suppose for for a lot of innovation in the office space over the next number of years, um, and that will be um, in every community in Ireland. And it is um, it is about meeting that good work environment in an accessible location need. And what that means to every company will be different. Um, but from a fine-grained property perspective, we intend to uh, continue to listen to our clients uh, to ensure that we can we can offer them what they need um, at, at, at every point in time. Does technology have a role to play in this? Absolutely. Um, and I think, um, Carl, from... Even, even so, from from my perspective, I work um, probably two days a week in the office. I travel one day per week, and I probably spend two days a week at home. Um, I think that's going to be the. Um, I think that's going to be um, the model for for many, not for all. Uh, certainly not for all clients. Certainly not for all um, all businesses we come in contact with every day. However, um, we. As a business, um, or, or, I, we as a business have uh, our team is fifty percent in Dublin, um, and then the rest of the team are spread all over the country, um, and that has enabled um, that has uh, enabled um, fine grained to grow uh, to get the talent um, that it sought at different points in time, um, and that flexible approach. I think we're going to see more of that. That's enabled by technology. And that probably could not have been achieved as even as as a short time ago as, as seven years. Um, so, you know, the technology that we're working um, on now um, is a major enabler um, of is a major enabler of, of remote working um, or working from hubs uh, up and down the country. Yeah, I, I, and that's definitely a trend that we're seeing, and it's unlikely, unlikely to reverse. But again, you know, as I said at the start of the interview, we are still at the early stages emerging from the pandemic. You know, I, I, I do believe that uh, people's opinions will continue to evolve, um, how they want to work, where they, where they prioritize to spend their time. All of that continues to work yeah. for for uh, fine grain properties. What's the plan over the next kind of two to three years? Where are you focused? Um, so uh, we, we plan to grow. Um, so we are um, we are currently uh, developing our our, um, our our plans in terms of our, our growth pattern for the, for the next two years, um, and we see the portfolio growing significantly in that period. Um, in terms of meeting the needs of our existing clients, um, we are at an advanced stage of rolling out that fine grain friends facilities and indeed futures program, uh, which is our ESG strategy, um, um, uh, essentially. Um, 
from a facilities perspective, what we want to achieve, and we talked about it earlier in terms of, of that sort of four-star or five-star hotel, if you enter a Clayton Hotel at Dublin Airport or you enter a Clayton Hotel in Wexford, um, it very much looks and feels the same. Um, we, want, um, we want to prepare um, our assets so that they feel like um, a four or a five-star hotel for our clients um, and that they meet their needs. So there's a huge amount of work arising from the, the 2019 survey and, and our most recent survey. There's a, an, an, an amazing amount of work that we need to do. We call it in the core um, in our existing portfolio. That's going to enable these spaces for collaboration. That's going to enable these spaces um, for community to foster um, and for the magic to happen. Yeah, again, we're back to the magic. And I think friends, facilities, futures, I mean, you know, that's really where it's at. So it sounds like you guys are bang on trend there. Uh, thank you to Damien Kilgannon, Real Estate Director at Fine Grain Property. And that's all we've time for today on Property Matters and this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to uh, to Luke Delaney and Peter Rice on sound. We'll be back at the same time next week for a of the Stone Podcast.